0: Welcome to this week's Times Hotel. I'm Jessica Steinberg, the host of this weekly feature. And this week we're speaking to three different rabbis, one Orthodox, one Conservative, one, and one Reform, talking about the high holidays. Rosh Hashanah just ended, Yom Kippur is coming up. And they share with us what it's like to be a congregational rabbi in these times and the things that they're thinking about and speaking about this season. We're also listening to Israeli singer Ishai's Rebo's Seder HaAvodah, a very haunting ballad that he wrote for the Day of Atonement for Yom Kippur a few years ago. The purpose of this album, and this is the lead song, is to open the windows of the synagogues so the tunes and prayers of thy Holidays will be heard in the street. And we'll be listening to portions of it throughout the podcast. We hope you enjoy it, and see you at the end.
1: We go to the place we go, and stand in the place we stand. The first thing that happened, but the last we stopped. We go to the place we כל החטאים לאבונות ולפשעים שחטאתי לפניך אני וביתי ואם אדם היה יכול את הפגמים, את החסרונות את כל הפשעים, את כל האבונות בטח ככה ימונה אחת, אחת ואחת, אחת, אחת, אחת ושתיים
0: Rabbi Seth Farber is the founder of Team, an organization committed to increasing participation in Jewish life. By making Israel's religious establishment more responsive to the diverse Jewish needs of the Jewish people. Rabbi Farber has been awarded a Nefesh Benefesh Bonet Prize and also in 2018 received an Israel Ministry of Aliyah and Integration Award for his outstanding contributions to Israeli society. For the purposes of our conversation today, um, we wanted to speak to you, Rabbi Farber, about your work as the Rabbi of Kehilat Nitivot
2: in Ranana, where you live. Could you first tell us a little bit about your shul? Sure. So our synagogue was founded uh, almost 18 years ago, and it's made up of uh, about 125 families, uh, half immigrants from uh, Western countries primarily, and half uh, native Israelis, people who were born here in Israel. It's a great mix. And uh, over the last year and a half or so, since Corona started, we've had uh, a lot of uh, different communities Merging into our community, uh, we have a daily, you know, minyan every day, and we have Shabbat minyan, which is, includes some other other people, and then we have Bar and Bat Mitzvahs from other people, and we have, you know, all sorts of uh, events and funerals. Unfortunately, also from another group of people, and then there's a group of elderly people that actually have required their own. Uh, you know, my being the rabbi of the community has uh, required me to. Pay special attention to particularly the uh, community of elderly people who don't come to shul so much, but uh, still need the community services.
0: What is it like? And you've been a congregational rabbi for a long time, right? You've been doing, that has been part of your work as a rabbi for how many years? Probably
2: 25 at this point.
0: Okay, right. So, when you come up, I mean, being a rabbi during the Yomim Noraim, during the High Holidays, is always a very intensive time. I imagine both personally and professionally. Where, where are you right now? As you were, we are ahead of Rosh Hashanah starting Monday night, and then obviously going into Yom Kippur after that. Where is your head this year? What are you thinking about? And what are you thinking? What are you speaking about? If you want to share, give us a little bit of a sneak peek into your
2: thoughts. Sure. So during a a regular year, this would be a time where I would be uh, putting my last uh, dotting my last I's and crossing my last T's on uh, my speeches. Unfortunately, the last few weeks have been focused a lot on uh, less on substance and more on choreography. We've made a decision here in Israel in Ranana to hold our services outside. And outdoors means there's a whole lot of decisions that have to be made. First of all, what kind of requirements for people to get in and how we arrange those requirements and the uh, people in quarantine, do they have to take tests before, etc. Those are things that are all on my plate in the end. Uh, Because we're uh, meeting outside, that means we're also going to uh, cut down a little some of the service. And one of the things I'm thinking a lot about, Jessica, is the extent to which I should speak at all when we're cutting up. Parts of the service, not essential parts, but parts of the service. What does it mean that I've taken out sections of the service that were written a thousand years ago, so that I can speak? And that's something I've been discussing uh, discussing a lot with a lot of people, uh, you know, in anticipation of Shofar. So, what should I speak about if we've already cut out, you know, uh, minutes, you know, tens of minutes of the service, even hours of the service? How do we do then? We want to make sure we end, you know, before the sun hits on the majority of the worshippers. So, those are things I'm thinking about a lot. As well, as far as the substance goes. So, uh, this year I'm really focusing on transformations. Um, in one of my talks, I'm speaking about uh, there's a famous rabbinic tradition that uh, Joseph uh, in the book of Genesis was freed from prison on Rosh Hashanah. And obviously, Joseph goes through a number of transitions. Uh, from when he's thrown into jail, originally thrown into the pit by his brothers, and ultimately into jail by Mrs. Potiphar and when he comes out and becomes the viceroy of Egypt, and I'm I'm really fascinated, even obsessed a little, with uh, what kind of transformation he goes through and why that would it all be connected connected to Rosh Hashanah. And one of the things I've discovered this year is that Joseph uh, takes on a different tempo in his life, having sat for two years in isolation. And you have to remember, it's really two years in isolation, because from Never when he thought
0: about that, okay. right? When
2: he when he interprets the dreams, for those who remember the story in the Genesis in the early you know late chapter thirties and the early chapter forties, he interprets the dream of uh, the butler and the baker, but uh, and he, then he says, "Please remember me." But it takes two years for them to remember him. So for two years, you can imagine he's sitting there pretty much by himself, wondering hey, what's happened to all my aspirations and all my dreams and everything that I really wanted? And even when I, when I was playing a role in someone else's life, all of a sudden that kind of fell apart. And now he comes out after all that. And, and one of the things I discover is that the tempo of his life changes significantly. If things were going, uh, uh, and again, one could argue this in a lot of different directions, but uh, he, he begins using uh, language that's very, very different. Uh, he has a sense that uh, if he wants to achieve his destiny... Uh, I wouldn't say he has to do it fast, but he he has a sense of urgency about what he has to what he has to do. Uh, in Hebrew, for those who want to go more in depth, you can see that the, Joseph uses uh, preponderance of the words "maher," go fast and go urgent, following his exit his exit from the from the uh, from the prison. Whereas before, you will never, even though he has many many speeches, he never ever uses that word prior to going into the into the prison. So I think the sense of urgency is something that's, that's very fascinating to me. Um, and again, he transforms himself because he has a sense that uh, if he's going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, he has to spend a little less time on his iPhone, a little more time uh, uh, trying to achieve his goals.
0: Are you already thinking, planning for Yom Kippur? Are you obviously speaking on both days of Rosh Hashanah? So How does that work for you this year?
2: So I'm speaking actually at night and on the first day before the chauffeur blowing. On the second day, I'm not going to speak at all. I feel like uh, we'll have to see. Right now, I'm not planning to speak uh, because I want to see the heat and I want to make sure I do want to provide some sense of context for people to think about. It. And at the same time, I don't want to burden people. Uh, as far as Yom Kippur goes, so I'll almost definitely speak at night. I've begun thinking about it. Um, I'm I'm actually interested in uh, thinking about and I've I've done a little research into this into uh, over the last year and a half when when we really faced something unprecedented certainly in our lives um, who who took advantage of this positively took the word took advantage itself fascinates me took advantage of taking taking advantage sometimes means uh, in Hebrew we say lenatzel that has a negative context but take advantage also can mean you did something positive you did something good I'm I'm actually very fascinated by uh, the model that Zoom. Put out Zoom, of course, became a huge economic success uh, during Corona. One of the things I am totally fascinated by, and I've begun looking into, is how Zoom decided something. They made a business decision to give all schools access to their code for free, and that's something that they took advantage. It was obviously a good business decision, but they also said we have a set of values in our company, and this. Tragedy, this difficult situation with this pandemic basically provides us an opportunity to promote those values as well and uh, I'm very fascinated in, in the taking advantage in the second sense in which a lot of us have uh, felt frustrated myself included that we weren't able to get things done the way we would have wanted to during the last year and a half and i 'm interested in knowing in the coming years where we're going to come to terms with having to live with this, what can we do to possibly uh, you know promote who we are and and, and move forward. Uh, even knowing that uh, the the challenges that are uh, that face
0: us, right? Give me a little bit of a snapshot of what Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur looked like for our Kila Nativot last year, in La- m- much more in the throes
2: of coronavirus. Right. I still feel the pain of those families this year who have you know, who, who are dying every day, and the the people who are you know seriously ill and in hospital. And I see in our community, we have people who are sick and we have people who also passed away during the past year. And that's painful for me. In terms of the basic differences between last year, I think last year was a very unknown. We had, we were going into uncharted territory. Here we're in a difficult, difficult place, a place that's unfathomable, but at least it's charted. We know what it's going to look like. We know, uh, we had no idea what things were going to look like. Uh, and we, we took an enormous risk last year, last year, uh, choosing to worship together. You know, a few hundred people in a place together, even outdoors, was a was a, a huge risk. This year, I think we're doing much better in terms of we know we're all, we're all vaccinated. We have, you know, the the Tavia Roque, you know, the green all, passport, the green passport. Green we pass. know that we're, you know, doing the best we can to make sure to protect ourselves. And still, there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of challenges in front of us. You want to be inspiring, of course, to the extent that you can be. I don't have any. Uh, you know, sense of uh, my my sense of self worth doesn't mean I can really inspire people, but maybe I can say something that will make them think a little. As a time for introspection. It's also a time for for thinking and hoping and praying all together as a people, not just for ourselves or our families, but also for the entire world. There's places where we don't even know the extent to which Corona has reached. You know, you talk about uh, Africa. We don't we don't even know the numbers there. You know, people here are so obsessed with the numbers and we have no idea what's going on in these places. And of course, India and Brazil, where the numbers are just uh, unfathomable. So Rosh Hashanah is really a universal day. And it's a day where uh, our prayers reach out to, to the entire world and the entire universe. And uh, we hope that uh, whatever God's plan is, that uh, hopefully it brings less suffering and less pain that we feel uh, in, the, in the short term.
0: Thank you so much, Rabbi Farber. We're wishing you and yours a Shana Tova. And uh, hoping to hear from you soon at the times of Israel.
2: You too, both to all the listeners, and really to all of us. Maybe a year of uh, happiness, health, and uh, meaning. Shana tova.
1: <laughs> שהיו את שם השם המפורש יוצא מפי כהן גיידול קורים, קוראים, קוראים משתרחבים ונופלים על ברוח ברוך שם כבוד מלכותו לעולם והם
0: We're back with another rabbi. We have with us here Rabbi Aaron Brusso, who is the senior rabbi of Synagogue Bet Torah in Northern Westchester. He is also an officer of the Rabbinical Assembly, uh, as well as a senior rabbinic fellow of the Shalom Hartman Institute, and served as faculty for the Anti Defamation League's Bearing Witness program. During his time at Bet Torah, which has been for how long, Aaron? It's my 13th year. 13th year. Rabbi Brusso has been a vocal supporter of immigration rights and was awarded the 2020 Human Rights Hero Award from Chua. Welcome, Rabbi Brusso.
3: It's a pleasure to be here with you, Jessica.
0: Glad to have you. So first, tell us a little bit about Beit Torah. What kind of synagogue is it? What does it look like right now in our, unfortunately, continuing days of COVID?
3: Yeah. So we're about an hour north of Manhattan. Uh, It is a suburb in Westchester called Mount Kisco, uh, but we draw from a number of surrounding areas, uh, towns like Chappaqua, Armonk, and Bedford. uh, And uh, we're about 550 families, uh, multi-generational, so we've had people who've uh, been around the community for quite some time. uh, And then we have young families who um, lived in the city and uh, outgrew their apartments after a child or two, and then move up to the suburbs uh, to raise their kids and educate them.
0: Okay. And what does Beit look like in these days as you, I imagine, continue trying to figure out how to have shul and
3: amid COVID? You know for a long time we talked about this uh, idea of a synagogue without walls <laughs> and that's exactly what we've become okay. um you know at at one point it was a vision and now it's like necessity um and uh so you know i mean i i think that you know in in the depths of the pandemic um it really um was as most places were, uh, not not an in person experience. It was very virtual in every sense of the word. And you know, the way I like to describe it is that um, you know we were all adrift, and we did everything we could to tie our rafts together so that we can maintain a sense of community um, through this unprecedented time. Um, and now we're we're heading back, um, but it's really very much in an in between space. Um, we were, I think, for quite some time in this post temple era and uh now we're really um heading back you know in a sense to um to you know the the sacred space and yet not entirely and so you know we have some in person and some online um and so it's it's right now it's a bit all over the place not easy to be a
0: congregational
3: rabbi in these times <laughs> So what and then how
0: does it look for you as you, you know, were the day before Rosh Hashanah, I imagine you're all done with your sermons. Um, it's always stressful, I know, for rabbis to get those sermons done and to feel like you are sending out the right messages that you're that you've been thinking about. What have you been thinking about? What are you speaking about over these next high holy days? <sighs>
3: Yeah, so I I was trying to really gauge where people have been at emotionally. uh, And, you know, um, being in touch with people during the pandemic was to be aware of all the disappointments, all the losses, um, all of the exhaustion. And, you know, at this point, in addition to the fact that the pandemic persists, we have uh, a tremendous number of international crises that seemingly are... Um, you know um, may, you know cu- coming at us uh, through you know all kinds of media radio, TV social media all the time, and so i 'm getting a sense that um, it's it 's a lot <laughs> you know um, we, we we have um, a a community with a tremendous capacity for uh, love and care and generosity, and there 's lots of ways that they demonstrate that. Um, and yet, I think there are limits to um, what we can put out, uh, and so the question I'm asking on Rosh Hashanah, uh, first day, is: you know, w- what's the state of our empathy? Um, it's it's one of the most important things that makes us a human being—the ability to have empathy um, for something outside of ourselves, for someone outside of ourselves. Um, and and where's that at? Because at a certain point, we reach a limit, um, and then you know, do we run the risk of Um, not just shutting down, but losing that sense of empathy. And so how do we approach the world and still hold on to one of the most important things that makes us human?
0: Okay. Second day of Rosh Hashanah?
3: Second day of Rosh Hashanah. Um, So, you know, this is definitely um, close to home for you, Jessica. Um, You know, around the most recent conflict um, between Israel and Hamas and all the surrounding incidents, Um, I was reached out to more than ever before by our college students uh, on campus. Uh, And they texted me, they called me, they emailed me. Um, Their social media was just filled with all kinds of statements uh, that they didn't know how to respond to. And they wanted to understand uh, what was going on and, and why the events were unfolding the way they were. And so, I spent a lot of time talking to them. Um, we set up Zooms. Um, I did one-on-ones. Uh, it was more counseling that I had done for college students than ever in my entire career. So- Heartening, um,
0: heartening that they were reaching out to you, really, that they were looking for help.
3: Yes, I, I yes, that, that I think was good that they felt like they had a place to go to where they could trust and say, here are my struggles and questions. Um, and, you know, um, they, they, they want to, you know, be, you know, um, um, good citizens of the Jewish community because they care. And they also want to feel like they're understanding the truth and what's happening. And, and so they, they reached out for that. And so what, um, what I'm, what I'm talking about on the second day is it's an open letter to our college students about Israel. And I sent an email to all of our college students and I said, I really want you to tune in because um, we are streaming it um, from wherever you are. Uh, and, you know, I speak about noon or so. So it's, it's perfect for that's That's when they it's get out. It's a up, good time. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's my second day talk.
0: And then how for you, just a little bit more about how you approach these days. In other words, there's the logistics and the details of all the work that you have to do as a congregational rabbi. And then there's this emotional spiritual side. How, how does one approach it, especially during these very complicated times? Give us give us some hints. Give us some guidance.
3: Yep. So, you know, one of the best things about the holidays um, is, is walking in to that space and seeing people and so many people um, at the same time. And when, you know, you spend this much time in a community and you look out at their faces, um, you know what they've been through. Uh, And, you know, even if the person sitting next to them has no idea, um, you understand the challenges, the struggles, the joys, the the sadness, the difficulty, um, the success and, um, and for me, that's very, very gratifying um, to really see everyone there and, and to one by one by one look out and try to um, you know, um, sit in their seat with them for a moment and um, consider what they might be thinking about. And that's not going to be the case uh, again these holidays. Um, in some measure, yes, we'll have some people in person. Um, and so it'll be better than last year. And I feel like that's one of our you know, one of the recipes for getting through this is to say, okay, where were we at last year? And, and in what sense have we made some progress here? Um, it may not be where we want to be, but it, but it's better. And um so I'll be able to do that with some people. Um, but for everyone else, I'm really going to have to channel them and think about, you know, who's, who's not here and yeah, yeah b- right. Bring their faces present and, and really, you know, say, you know, um, you know, they're in their home and, and and really visit and, and sit with them virtually. Um, you know, that's um, for me what, what the holiday is about.
0: It's a good message and we wish you a shanatova umituka and a good one from oh, us.
3: To you as well, Jessica. Thank you. It's a pleasure.
1: ממקום שהוא בא והלך למקום שהלך פשט בגדה לבן לבש בגדה זהב וכך היה אנש שקבל לך תאים לאבונות ולבשעים שחטאתי לפניך אני וביתי ואם אדם היה יכול לזכור,
0: we are here now with Rabbi Toby Manoeth, a Chicago based Jewish educational consultant to both Jewish and non Jewish organizations, and single mom to a, as she always writes, a spectacular adopted teen. Uh, rabbi Manoeth, you've been a congregational rabbi. You write extensively about many topics, most recently, Judaism and teens and their questions. I noticed that on your Facebook feed and Simone Biles, also an ongoing, interesting topic. And more relevantly for us right now, as we head into Rosh Hashanah, you're going to be running Rosh Hashanah services for an assisted living and independent living facility near your home in Chicago. And I would love to hear what you're thinking about right now on this Rosh Hashanah, second year that we're living with COVID 19. What you're speaking about, but first, first tell us what this, what these services are going to look like for you, for you, and for them, and for your congregants.
4: Sure, sure. So, um, last year we were one of the only people, one of the only groups in the Chicago area to have uh, services in person. Uh, we had them outside. Um, Spaced apart, everyone's had to have reservations. Their names were on their chairs. The books were preset. Um, this year, the facility has had um, people are allowed to congregate. Once again, they're allowed to eat meals together. So we'll be meeting inside the facility. Um, everyone masked. Unfortunately, that means this year that no one can have guests. Um, but they're also thrilled to be with each other and to have uh services. Um the only big difference for me, besides being inside, um, is that I'll have a different shofar. Um I'll have a, a bigger one because it because the um sound carries a little bit further and just like last year um I'll put a mask uh on the end of the shofar because it's not possible to put a mask on the end of me while I'm blowing a shofar.
0: Right. So you you run the whole thing. You are the rabbi. You are the cantor. You are the chauffeur blower. How? What is that like for I, you? Given the roles, the many roles you have to fill.
4: Yeah. Um, so, you know, I would say that in in a regular circumstance, I you know I've done that before uh, when I worked for Hillel, and um, in any other circumstance, I would say that it's exhausting, but the people at the, at the facility are so incredibly um, thankful. And so just, they're so into it, you can see on their faces that that it's okay. And also, you know, for for some of them, um, I'm their daughter's age or their, their child's age. And so like, because they're not seeing their family um, and I'm, you know, coming directly from my family dinner, I think, you know, there's something about it that like helps them a little bit. And so, you know, it, 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 like, there's also a little bit of pastoring in there that, you know, might not normally happen at a regular service.
0: Right. So what will you be talking about with them? Do you give a regular kind of sermon on both days? Is it something shorter? What does it look like?
4: Right. So, um, uh, Monday night, um, I'll be telling a story and it's a, it's a a famous story about, um, basically how, um, the angel of death, but looking like a man in rags comes to see, um, meets a police officer in an alley. Um, and it's a young police officer and they're so pompous that, um, that the angel of death doesn't take them, um, and says, you know, you're so pompous that basically I'll save you, but here's, here's the reason I'll, here's, here's what I'll do. Here's why I'll save you. You have to, um, show gratitude for something different every day. Mm. And so the person shows gratitude for something different every day. And the first, you know, number of weeks, it's not all that hard. Um, you know, he does his family, then he starts doing food and then, You know, after a a few months, it gets harder, and they have to find something every day to be grateful for. And then the the angel of death says, on the day that you can't find something that you're grateful for, that's the day um, that you'll die. And the man lives this amazingly long life, um, and um, there's a day that they can't find something that they're grateful for, and they meet the angel of death again. Um, And the angel of death basically says that the reason they didn't take them the first time um, was because they were empty. Uh Uh-huh right? There was just nothing. Um, and so, you know, and, and now they're, and now they're full. Um, and then of course the angel doesn't take them because the person, um, is grateful to have had that knowledge, um, and finds another, um, gratitude. So, um, a story on the first night and on the second, on the, on the first day, we only do one day. Okay. Um, and the first day, um, I'm talking about the Shemitah year. Um, and it's interesting because, um, you know, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about the idea that, you know, it's a year when you are not supposed to do things, right? You don't put effort in. Um, and I think for a lot of them, the not doing anything is how they've been living. Right. Right. And so, like, but the I so the idea is, is two things. Um, what you can get out of not doing anything, right? Like the, the, you know, like the produce still comes, right? And so, um, one of my colleagues actually talked about, um, the idea of COVID keepers. Hmm. Um, now, now you can see me and everyone, you know, who's listening can't, but, um, here's one of my COVID keepers. My, uh, lots of my friends went gray this year. I went gray, you know, 10 years ago. Um, and uh, this year, my teenage son decided it would be fun to color my hair. And I decided that um, anything that allowed my 14 year old son to want to spend 20 minutes with me was a good idea.
0: <laughs> I would say so, yeah.
4: So, so, like, that's a COVID keeper, right? It's some, you know, and so the idea that um, of Shemitah, both like what can happen what good things can happen when you're allowing things to lay fallow, right? Like a lot of the people in, in this facility actually communicated with their families more because they learned how to zoom.
0: That's interesting.
4: Right. So, so not being able, they, they got closer connections. And then also I think about Shemitah, like giving them um, the opportunity to release things, right? Like, because so many people the last 18 months have carried so much, like what if, or I couldn't, or I wish I, and like, it's cool to let that go.
0: Um, and how do you and, do that with them? How, like, what's, What are your thoughts about that with them?
4: Um, you know, I think that, um, well, so unfortunately, um, a member of that congregation just died. Um, she was about to be 99 um, and she lived this amazing, amazing life. Right at ninety eight, she was um, at ninety eight, she was leading current events uh, groups in the building. Right, phenomenal. Um, right, phenomenal. Right? Phenomenal. Right, and and she died in this amazing way. At, at one o'clock in the morning, she told her caregiver that her husband was talking to her. At nine o'clock in the morning, she told her caregiver that her husband told her to come home, um, and then she took a nap and, and died. Right. And so like, pretty bright. I mean, like if that, that's the way to do it, right. If possible. If possible. Right. And so I feel like, um, going back to the story of the night before, there are so many things that, that there are to be grateful for that, you know, it's important to point it out and to, you know, I, I may talk about May, um, and to think about, all the things that this year has given them, including like an extra year of life.
0: That's wonderful. That's something to think about as, you, as, as, as we sort of all go forward and to think about different kinds of congregations and different kinds of congregants, really, and how different people can offer different things.
4: Right, and I, I think, I think that, that so many people in, who live in that facility um, totally get it. You know, in a different way than people who, you know, are are feeling the loss of job or the we had to change the bar mitzvah plans or we had to change the wedding plans. Who, you know, they're feeling um, the loss in a different way because they also know what they've gained, or you know, they also know what they've gained, or they also know what they've lived through. You know, I mean, some of them lived through the Second World War. Some of them. <laughs> You know, had, you know, some of them lived through polio and things like that. And so, although this was very difficult, they have a completely different perspective.
0: Thank you for being here with us at, at Times Will Tell, the Times of Israel Weekly Podcast. And wish you and yours a very sweet and happy new year. Shana Tova Umetuka. Thank you to you as well. Thanks for being with us. It's been a special episode of. Times of Israel's Times Will Tell, our weekly feature. We hope you've enjoyed it and hope to have you here with us next week. In the meantime, wishing you all a happy and healthy New Year.
1: We are human and we fly on the wind. Blessed במקום שיצא ורעד במקום שעמד בשעת בגדה זהב לבש בגדה עצמו וכל העם והכוהנים היו מלווים אותו לביתו ויום טוב לאוהביו כי נסלח לכל הדת ישראל אשרע